Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Trey from the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Exploding Dice Radio. We hope you enjoy the show. Exploding Dice Radio. Welcome to episode 13 of Exploding Dice Radio, a podcast about all things Firestorm Armada, Dystopian Age, and Uncharted Seas. My name is Andy, also known as Ruckdog on the forums, and today I am joined once again by my good friend Matt. Welcome back, Matt. Hey, Andy, how's it going? Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, so it's been a little while since we've made an episode of Exploding Dice Radio, a uh, combination of real life and honestly not a lot to talk about. Uh, but that started to change, right? Because we're starting to get more and more information now about the plans that War Cradle has for the impending relaunch of Dystopian Wars. So it seemed like it would be a, you know, as good of a time as any to pull out the, the old podcasting microphones and uh, maybe talk about some of those new developments here before we get to the, uh, the end of the year. So, uh, how's that sound, Matt? <laughs> that sounds great. And I'll give this new headset a workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your new Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, right? <laughs> That's right. Wireless. You're supposed to have like 30 hours talk time. So we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll give it a run tonight and see how it does. Yeah, we'll see how it does. Okay, so uh, let's just uh, recap here because it has been, you know, probably, what, seven, eight months or so since we talked. So since that time, War Cradle has previewed Dystopian Wars at a number of shows, uh, I think all the way back to Adepticon, and then of course the summer convention seasons, Gamma, uh, Salute, Gen Con. Uh, they had a show at Essence Spiel. Uh, now, as far as I know, they also were here this past weekend um, in the States at uh, PAX Unplugged up in Philadelphia. Yep. So uh, it looks like they are definitely starting to ramp up their demo uh, tempo a little bit here. I think at this point we've seen new models for what, uh, five of the factions, maybe six of the factions. We've seen new covenant models. We've seen new American models, new Britannian models. Uh, we've seen the new, um, the Chinese side of the enlightened. So there's, they're kind of, cause they're kind of doing like a pan Asian faction that has various sub factions in it. And I think those are some of the newest models that they've shown. Yeah, I think the um, the Asian coalition is pro- are definitely the newest, um, and obviously we saw some of the FSA back in August. So yep. yeah, got at least a idea of the aesthetics from all the uh, factions or about what they're going to look like. So yeah, uh, Prussians are the uh, we've we've got the new uh, Prussian look here, which has been slightly refined a bit. Um, so so overall, uh, so Matt, out of the factions they previewed so far, do you have a a favorite looks wise, and and why is it your favorite? <laughs> Uh, I think um, it's kind of between the FSA and the the Celestial Empire now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm an FSA player, and they've just kind of made them look a little less 1860s ish. It's a little more, um, you know, a little updating the the, the technolo- technological look of them 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, I feel like the the Celestial Empire they actually seem to share a lot with kind of the older new Spartan designs. Um, they, they kind of to, to me look about as close the closest to the you know, kind of predecessors. Uh, I think of the lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're probably you're probably right on that. Um, now I. I, I think uh, I'm with you. The Americans are pretty nice looking. Uh, it, one of the things that is interesting is that you can find certain elements of the designs that are a, a definite callback to the earlier Spartan designs. So if you look at the Americans in particular, I look at and I see things like the smokestacks. You know, the the paddle wheels, of course, although they're slightly different in design, are still there as an element. The little embellishments, in this case, little stars studded along the side. The little volley gun secondary turrets. Uh, the overall hull shape is fairly similar. But then they, they do some things that sort of put their own spin on it. Uh, so, you know, again, with the Americans as an example, all of the weapon, uh, the primary weapon turret designs are different. Uh, the overall proportions of the model seem to be a little bit different as well. They seem to be a little bit uh, wider. And with the Americans in particular, you know, the uh, the American models, especially the earlier, you know, sort of first-generation American models were pretty close to the waterline. They were fairly low slung, and it looks like they've beefed up the freeboard, the, you know, made the hulls a little higher <laughs> in the, yeah. uh, the new American models. So you know, They've armed up those uh, paddle wheels, too. Yeah, yeah, they look like they're <laughs> yeah. su- substantially better protected, don't they? Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the, the American turrets, kind of... I kind of like where they went with it. It kind of looks like a, a how, like a kind of a curtain day howitzer. Yeah, um, or like but, a 40k Earthshaker cannon or something. You know? Yeah, but <laughs> kind of stuck with the the you know single shot turret was cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I think that the Prussian designs are maybe the most different uh, so far. The ones they've previewed compared to the earlier generations of models. You know, as, as with the Americans and the the Chinese suite we saw and some of the other models, there's there's certain things that carry over. But the way that they have gone about shaping some of the prows, the way they are trying to convey modularity uh, with these designs to show how certain weapons are essentially mounted on flexible mounts that can be elevated or lifted off, it's it's a bit a bit different than the older Prussian aesthetic. And one of the things I find interesting is that they sort of took their lead from the 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 Prussian uh, Kickstarter model, uh, you know, the the siege monitor that had the railway cannon that could be rolled onto the ship. Uh, oh yes, the, yeah. the, 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 tra- the train boat. Yeah, they, they kind of uh, doubled down on that one, and now the new battleship has that same. Kind of, uh, you know, railroad track mounted cannons on it. As a matter of fact, if you look at some of the pictures of the ship that they've previewed, it shows you can actually see two little steam locomotives peeking out the back of it. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, actually, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, the, the most dramatic difference with the Prussians is they now all have this sort of eagle beak on the bow. The way their bow is shaped is sort of like a, the, the beak of a eagle or a hawk or something. Uh, so I that, feel like they got a lot wider. Well, they don't look as sleek as the, Current models. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that is definitely true, and I think it's really kind of true across the board. I think if you were, especially, it, it seems especially prominent on the smaller ships, like uh, the, the frigates and some of the cruisers, and that uh, I'm not sure if they're any shorter, but they're definitely wider, and so they end up being, uh, for lack of a better term, more squat, <laughs> you know, yeah. more, more compressed in the the, uh, the length dimension. 
And that just seems on these pressure models, they're they're pretty thick. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like that is a overall aesthetic change that uh, War Cradle might be going for. And it's it's hard to tell, right? Because we don't have the physical models in hand, even or even like really like a three D render. Really, like we're just sort of looking at the 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 pictures, and uh, without having a older model next to them in the picture for comparison, it's going to be hard to to say for sure. But you definitely get the impression just looking at these pictures that the models are a bit wider proportionately uh, than the, the earlier generation, I think. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so um, overall though, I think that the, so while the designs that War Cradle is showing are certainly uh, different in a lot of large and small ways than the earlier Spartan designs, one thing that I'm struck by, and, you know, I'm interested to see if you have a similar impression. One thing I'm struck by is that all of the new models they're, they're showing do feel, I guess, cohesive within the uh, batch of new models. So, in other words, it doesn't feel like one fleet is out of place when it's put on the table against one of the other fleets that War Cradle's working up. They seem to have a consistent um, set of proportions to them, a consistent level of detail, maybe. Uh, I don't know. How, do, you, do you get that sense as well, or is this just me? Being yeah, yeah. So. Obviously, they're going <laughs> to fit with each other on the tabletop. And um, I know they've kind of already said, hey, not sure about these old models, but some of the new Britannian and the, at least the Prussian models, they aren't going to look like the, the mixing an old and new fleet isn't going to look as good as it almost looks like the uh, Celestial Empire and the FSA, because FSA, I still think, has the same kind of aesthetic and same. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't stray as far from the actual model design or the original designs. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That was that was another point I was going to bring up actually. Uh, so that's sort of a good transition. Is that um, it's been a consistent concern uh, among the community that the the newer generation of models aren't really going to match up very well uh, with the older generation, which is going to uh, probably be frustrating for folks that are trying to build a coherent looking force on the tabletop. And I, I think you are right. I think probably the, the Prussian models are the biggest departure. Although, that being said, I think that the Prussian models are actually not too far off from the direction Spartan was going at the very end. Like, if you look at a lot of the models from the Kickstarter uh, at the end of the, the game under Spartan, the Prussian models that War Cradle's cooking up seem to fit in a lot better with the 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 models that because uh, for example you know we, we already talked about the the siege cannon ship that uh, Spartan put together and um, you've also got the ice maiden right yep, some nice some man. of the ways and we also have it wasn't a Kickstarter ship but also you know Spartan did that line of modular battleships where you could buy a battleship kit and build it one of two different ways. And if you look at the hull design and the superstructure design off of that ship, you start to see a little more similarity with the War Cradle designs. So it seems like those designs is where War Cradle was kind of taking its inspiration from rather than the the earlier waves of the Prussian models, which probably also helps explain a little bit, I think, about how and why the ships that War Cradle is producing look so much different. <laughs> right. And you're, I think you're a little more familiar with the later though i'll say the new old the, the newest or the modular designs yeah. that that yeah. spartan was going with and i kind of stopped between like right in 2.0 so i wasn't really there for the 
kickstarting stuff of those. Right, right. Um, though, though I do remember, um, you, you showed me some of the, the designs for the FSA models, and I got real mad at the bunting. So. Right, right, yeah. And, so, and some, of, some of the early War Cradle con, uh, uh, concepts still had the bunting on there. So fortunately, it looks like they did away with the the steel bunting on the side of the ship. Well, well if you're listening, thanks, War Cradle. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but anyway. No, I mean, you know, so the, the overall – now, and one thing I just want to circle back around is, you know, the, the Crown, the, the Britannian ships – you know, it's interesting. The more you look at them, the more they did sort of retain a lot of the elements of the earlier Britannian models in terms of the hull shape. And, you know, they all have these tubular engine mm-hmm. devices along the flanks. And, the again, the quad smokestacks are sort of a good callback. But just like with the Americans, those similar elements have been combined with various other embellishments, like completely different weapon mountings. And in the case of the Britannians, there's a lot of fancy detailing on the bows. Yep. You know the you know the gold figureheads and the the scroll work. And one thing that uh, looks like they did scroll back quite a bit from with the uh, actual pre-production models they're showing now versus the concepts is there used to be a lot more lion head motif <laughs> going on right. uh, with the uh, the the crown models they were previewing earlier uh, in the you know earlier in the year. So again, it looks like I'm they. I'm guessing that has to do with the detail on that scale, because if I remember some of the 3D renders, there was quite a bit of extra stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably true. That you know, probably some of it's streamlining for production. I'd also like to think that the, the War Cradle team probably took a little bit of feedback uh, from the community, and I think also too, uh, just probably the more time they spent with it, the more time they probably started. Wondering whether all of that extra detail actually made sense or not. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, because yeah, they, they can put it on there, but then you have to paint it. Well, yeah, and so that is actually the next thing I wanted to bring up, right, is because, you know, the, the older Spartan models, um, it was great to sort of, you know, my one of my stock standard procedures was to prime the thing, give it a wash, and then dry brush it out, and then pick out the details, and, you know, the decking, the weapons, that sort of thing. And that generally worked pretty well for about 90 plus percent of the Spartan games range, you know? And, and so I'm wondering just off of your initial visual impressions, remember we're just going by looking at pictures and I've actually seen the models in the flesh, as it were. Uh, do you think that type of technique is going to work as well with these uh, work rail models? I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Um, I think for some of the factions that will, like obviously there's extra detail on the, the British stuff. Yeah. Um, going back to the American stuff, it actually looks not that much more. I mean, it, it really not that far off from the the dreadnought with like the armored paddle wheels and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's gonna depends on your faction. So depending on how much more work you want to do, right? Because um, I mean, just looking at these um, FSA models, there's not really any extra detail, and maybe that that was just a an early paint on them. But like, um, you know, uh, it's Pull up that post. I mean, it's it's they're pretty much all gray. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I I, th- I think those uh, models we saw from around the August time frame, it looked to be like they were just like primed gray, and then they slapped uh, some paint on a few details the night before just to make them pop a little bit, and then put them on the oh, table. Oh yeah, yeah. Photos, actually, I'm know, looking so. at this. It looks like the <laughs> like like on the. So I, I have your the picture from the website. Actually, they have they have actually blue on like the on like on the armor like around the 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 island and in, in the main deck. Yeah. But it really just gets lost in the blue ocean of the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
It's yeah, probably, it's probably I, a bad choice for I can see the difference in the, the decking. <laughs> I mean, the decking always has like a brown. You can see the brown there. Yeah. It's, it's gray, blue, and some silver. And yeah. it's just not... Like, you could definitely apply older techniques to FSA, at least looking at them as it stands. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and so, um, you know, the Covenant models they've shown so far, uh, looks to me like they would probably not respond as well to the whole prime and dry brush technique. But uh, that's that said, that was also true of a lot of the Covenant models from the older Spartan range. Just because, I think that's because they have a lot more flat, smooth surfaces to them than a lot of the other factions did. Well, they're um, also a lot more, like, sci-fi-y. You know, yeah. The whole, the, yeah. Whole, the whole, you know, system is, but yeah, they're, they're the ones with the, the you know, the fir- uh, first-hand alien tech. Everybody else just kind of stole it. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's so it remains to be seen then exactly how easy or not uh, these things will be to paint. Uh, but, uh, you know, overall, so I'm, 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 again, curious, Matt, about your thoughts here. As a sort of taking a step back and looking at everything they've shown in whole, do you feel like the model range is headed in a good direction, or do you think that the War Cradle still has some work to do to turn us into something that looks interesting to you? Uh, I do like the look on the FSA, and, and I think, I mean, they want to go their direction, too, because I know they want to blend in more with like, their other uh, dystopian age games. Yeah. Um, I don't have really many problems with them. I, I could see, like, again, I'm, I'm happy with how the FSA looks. I'm happy with how the Celestial Empire looks. Um, the the British is definitely not my style. Um, Russians also, again, I, I like the older, kind of sleeker look to those. So I guess it depends on 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 your your own preferences and what what you want out of them. I'm, I like my faction, the FSA. I'm I'm happy with how they're looking. Um, but I can definitely see certain people having issues with how their faction now looks. Right, right. So, I guess uh, six one half dozen the other. Um, <laughs> it depends on the person. Uh, you know, uh, obviously we all we all see different aesthetics of pleasing or aesthetics of pleasing. Right, right. Rather. Well, yes, it's it's all a matter of taste, and at the end of it, right. So, exactly. F- from my perspective. You know, I think, you know, I already mentioned that one of the things I do like is that there is sort of an overall coherent feel to all of the models they previewed so far. And it definitely feels like all of the models that they've shown for the various factions feel like they've come from the same universe. Yes, absolutely. And so, and that, that, if there was one kind of maybe criticism or, um, or small issue I had with some of the Spartan range is that, it really didn't uh, feel like some of the models and some of the factions really fit in the same universe. And I always sort of felt that way about the about the uh, the Ottomans, for example, right? The it just it didn't feel like those the Ottoman ships with all the minarets and the way the detailing was in the halls didn't really feel like it felt like it belonged in the same universe as say the the Prussian battleship or something like that, right? Right. And if I think back to like the Australians, they had a uh, they kind of just looked like. Speedboats of today, I feel like. I mean, mm-hmm. just I'm trying to just in my mind that picture when when I saw them, they're like they just look like kind of little motorboats. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so it's so you know, it's it's not something that um, you know we should think about and constantly in terms of you know rose tinted glasses. There there were some issues there, and, but that being said, too, you know, so far, you know, War Cry has only shown us a, fa- a fraction. <laughs> You know, the, of the, the models of that plan. Spartan produced, right? So it's, it's, who knows how things are going to evolve from here. 
Uh, there's still plenty of time for Rook Radio to come up with ways to make weird-looking models <laughs> that don't oh, fit sure. in. Well, but so far, so, it looks like they're doing pretty good about keeping like a the expanded field. factions. Again, so, I kind of quit when they were releasing like Canadians and uh, the Russians, yeah. and then Black Wolf kind of came shortly after that. Um, so, which which ones did you think weren't really fitting with, in the same universe with Spartan? The, were the the biggest defenders, in your opinion? Um, so I think that, uh, some of the, some of the outlying factions were the most problematic visually. Um, it's funny too, is they also, some of them turned out to be the most problematic, uh, in terms of rules, depending on <laughs> the edition of the game we were talking about. Uh, especially things like the Italians and the, uh, East India Merchant Company. Okay. Uh, they, they had some units that were slightly on the, uh, the cheesy side. <laughs> That uh, could be hard for one of the core factions to to deal with, but gotcha. you know overall, you know it it, it worked well enough. And but I I do like I said like the coherent look that we've gotten so far. I know that there are definitely some folks out there who have some real hard spots with some of the designs that War Cradle has done so far, at least from an aesthetic perspective. I I can't say I've gotten any viscerally negative reactions from anything that we're seeing here. As we uh, inch ever so closer to release, so uh, but that's just me. And and again, maybe as I as we've already reiterated a couple of times, haven't seen these models in person, right? right? So it's very possible that once we actually get them in person, we'll find something about them that we just don't like. <laughs> oh, that, and, yeah, definitely. You know, and and uh, you know, something looks good in a picture, or okay in a picture that just doesn't look good at all in a uh, personal model. But, you know, one of the things, too, that I'm curious about uh, that we just haven't seen yet is comparisons, like direct one-to-one comparisons between some of the older Spartan models and some of the uh, newer War Cradle models. Um, so, because that, that we really don't have a good feel for what the proportions are between them, and we really don't have a good feel for, uh, you know, I mean, you sort of have to use your mind's eye a little bit or, you know, put pictures next to pictures to compare them with the older models, right? So, well, it, yeah. You know, it may, it be, some of the things we're worried about being a really jarring difference may not necessarily be so bad once we get a look at it, you know, physically one to one. At least that's, I'm optimistically thinking that maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and with, with like, uh, the, at least the FSA, cause those are the models I'm most familiar with. I mean, it looks like each of the current FSA models might be like, a class lighter of ship, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like a battleship's maybe more more battle cruiser. Bad battleship might be a little hard, but like, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know. It, it, they'll look a little smaller, but yeah, could still be the same. Maybe a light a light cruiser versus a cruiser or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, let's just say it's so hard to tell because you don't have the models physically there, and it looks like they did tweak the proportions of the models a bit. So it's very possible that. Uh, what we're seeing is just a little bit of an optical illusion there, and that because they're slightly wider, it makes them look like they're you know sh- shorter and smaller than right. their Spartan counterparts. So it's just tough to say. Like I said, that's one thing that I really wish that uh, somebody would come up with is a way to get a comparison in between the the various new models that Warcrail's coming up with and the older Spartan designs, just to see how they match up in terms of both looks and size on the table. You know. Have to get somebody to sneak in some of their old models. Right, and, uh, right. Stick them in the pocket, like the whip them out, put them on the demo it. table, and snap a picture. <laughs> Guerrilla marketing at its best. So, okay, well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what the plans are for the launch of Dystopian Wars 3.0. At least what we know right now, because we don't have a lot of hard details. 
but we'll go over what we know, and then we'll also talk a little bit about uh, what's ahead and what might be coming down the line for some of the other uh, War Cradle former Spartan properties later on in 2020. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Currently, humanity looks to the internet for its information. We have stood at the edge of despair and would have fallen. If not for awesome podcasts and their content of everything we love. Now these podcasts are all brought together in one place. Forged in like-mindedness, tempered with a community-oriented forum, covering all things geek, such as wargaming, board gaming, comics, movies, and more. Presenting a lineup of podcasts producing exclusive content for the fans. The Freebooters Network. Trolls want to steal our community. Let them try. All right, everybody, welcome back. So, as we promised before the break, we are going to talk a little bit about the plans for the rollout of Dystopian Wars 3.0. Now, bear in mind that, um, you know, as of early December when we're recording this, we don't have 100% firm plans yet on when we're going to see the big release come out for the Dystopian Wars line. So we're going to talk a little bit about what the uh, War Cradle blog has written for what they're planning on releasing. And then we'll talk a little bit about what some of the discussion has been in our our various uh, uh, Facebook posts. It seems like the Facebook group, the Sturgenium Lounge, is something that has been one of their main discussion forum avenues, really. There's been some activity on the official forums. I check in there from time to time, but it seems like most of the discussion lately has been going on in the, the Facebook page for whatever reason. So, all right, well, let's uh, go ahead and dig into it. So. Uh, right off the bat, uh, War Cradle's blog, uh, Diary Number 15, they called it. <laughs> uh, this was published, oh, not quite a month ago, back uh, mid-November, right before the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States. Uh, and in this blog post, uh, they stated that their plan is to release uh, what are called Battlefleet sets. And uh, what these Battlefleet sets are going to have is they're going to have a battleship, two cruisers, and four frigates. So it's um, not really quite the full starter fleet box that, that Spartan uh, used to release with the battleship and three cruisers and like ten frigates and two bombers and all this other stuff with it. So uh, these boxes um, are going to start off with the Britannians and the uh, the Americans, the, the Union. And so you're going to get uh, those two fleets to start with. Now, these fleets are just models, basically. Uh, they, uh, they're not intended to be a starter set per se because they don't have rules or dice or templates or tokens or anything like that in there. It's just the models. So it's sort of a, you know, Matt, what I kind of almost want to compare it to is like the GW Battle Force boxes where, you know, you could, you could get a box of models. It was somewhat cheaper than buying them individually. They maybe weren't the most competitive force when you put it all together, but they were enough to start, start you getting, 
working on a new army project, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, it kind of depends on what box you're talking about. Right, um, right. Are you talking about like, the, the big battle force, like the $200 ones? Or no, like, no, uh, like the old, like, start collecting the Imperial Guard, where it's like, you know, you know, 20 dudes, uh, you know, Sentinel or something like that, you know? <laughs> okay, it's like the start collecting boxes. Yeah, then. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the uh, thing is, though, like I said, there's going to be no rule book, no dice, no other components in there. So what they're also going to be releasing is something they're calling a Gubbins box. You got to love the, uh, the British vernacular here, the Gubbins and rules box. And that is exactly what it sounds like. It's got the rule book and the templates and the dice and all this sort of stuff in there. And that's going to be a separate release. Now, um, they've done something similar, uh, with Wild West Exodus, uh, War Cradle has where they did the various, you know, posse boxes and then they had a, a Gubbins and Rules box so that, uh, you could get the fleet of your choice. You could get the, the box of components and then that would give you what you needed to play a game, right? Well, I have now found that blog post, so now I'm, 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 I'm tracking you now. Right, right, yes. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, is it that hard to come up with a starter set if you're trying to launch a new game? Well, you know, so it's, it's interesting because very shortly, so the first wave, it sounds like, is going to be the Gubbins box, the Britannian fleet, and then the, the American, uh, battle fleet set. And then Hot in the Heels is sort of the second wave as they're doing the full-on two-player starter set. Is that the Hunt for Prometheus? Yes, the Hunt for Prometheus. Now, this is interesting. So the way this is being described is it's going to be uh, basically the uh, Covenant versus the Russians, right? And it's supposed to sort of portray the theft of a Covenant ship by uh, Markov, you know, the, the Russian member of the Covenant that then was actually secretly still loyal to the Tsar and all that sort of stuff. And according to the blog post here, now there's supposed to be a pretty decent set of thing in there. It says uh, it's got terrain, two fleets, no word yet on exactly what those fleets are going to consist of, so we don't have a ship count yet that we can really go by. Uh, a narrative campaign book, and the rules, the cards, dice, tokens, everything else you need. So it sounds like, at the very least, it's going to be Two of the, you know, assuming that uh, the model count similar would be like two of those battle fleet sets. So a battleship, two cruisers, four frigates, plus uh, all the gubbins box stuff, plus uh, some pieces of scatter terrain, it sounds like. Um, it, yeah, I mean, sounds like I, I would hope that there's at least like the two battle fleets. Yeah, um, yeah. Because a, a, lot of, a lot of like the two player, since we're, we're comparing to DW, a lot of the two player sets come with... Um, they come with a set of campaign or a campaign to use with the models that are in the box. Yes. yes. But, but there's three or four scenarios. Right. And you don't use the whole group of them every time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. With uh, the last one that I'm current with is the uh, Forge Bane, which is Necrons versus Mechanicus. And that box is like um, some, some baby knights and some uh, Skatari, like warriors and like a tech priest versus yeah. like. Uh, like 10 Necrons, three Wraiths, and uh, a Cryptech. And there's like three different scenarios, and they, they each, each use different amounts of each model. Yeah. So. Well, it's and, you like know, a, and, an entry and, and, level game, and then here's something you guys can, small scale, you can get paint up in a decently quick amount of time. And, you know, buy this paint up, and at least you have a, a couple hours of games with somebody. 
Right, right. Well, that and, and Spartan was sort of taking that tack a little bit with things like Operation Shadowhunter and the like. You know, there was some of that going on too. And, and it does sound like this hunt for Prometheus is going to be a similar construct as well as they do mention a campaign book in the blog post, right? But we don't have a detailed breakdown of what's in the set yet, so it's going to be hard to say. And it's also uh, not clear exactly how close to that first wave of the two Battlefleet sets and the Gubbins box that the two-player star set's going to come out. Hopefully, you know, it's like going to be within a few weeks or a month or so at most, and it's, it's out there pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know why you wouldn't launch the two-player set first to get people excited about the game, but that's me. Well, you know, it's it's yeah, one of those things... They have, a, they have a reason, I'm sure. But. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it could be they're aiming to do some kind of soft launch, essentially, where they put out that initial wave, and it's not really there to sell the game to a mass audience. It's there to attract your early adopters, folks like you and me that may have played an earlier edition, and start building a little bit of buzz, and then they come come right around with the actual full two-player starter set. When people see the early adopters playing the games, like, oh, this looks cool. How do I get into it? And they turn around, and there's the two-player star set on the shelf. I don't know. That possible. I, I have no inside information. That's just me sort of making up some headcanon probably. But uh, <laughs> who knows, right? So regardless, it does sound like they are going with the uh, Battlefleet set. And based on some of the discussion that I've read uh, from the various Warpale representatives, you know, like, like Stuart, uh, it does sound like the intention is to eventually have Battlefleet sets for all of the major factions. And there's some pros and cons to that. I mean, one pro of just having the Battlefleet set in a separate governance box is that you can pick the factions of your choice, right? Because that can be an issue with a two-player starter set sometimes if neither of the factions in that set are one that you're interested in. You know, the whole set sort of loses its attraction for you. Um, the other thing that is great about putting out that... Uh, uh, Gubbins box is that for folks like you and me that have old models and are willing to proxy, you know, we can get that Gubbins box basically and get to the table right away using our old models, right? So, so it it sounds it sounds like it's a uh, you know sort of a new direction, but uh, we've seen them have some success with this with Wild West Exodus, right? And I, I I keep coming back to that point that it does appear that they're using their uh, experience with Wild West Exodus and, and getting that game back out into the public eye as a guide or as a model for how they're approaching the Dystopian Wars 3.0 launch. So, yeah, I mean, if they've had success with that, then then uh, who am I to question them? Right, right. Now, um, um, as far as timeline goes, right? So, obviously, we're not going to see this game release. This year, <laughs> where the the window is pretty much closed on that. Uh, War Cradle has stated on Facebook that their last new releases come out in November, and then you know their policy is they don't release anything brand new in, in December. You know they just wait till the ne- new year at that point. So it sounds like next year is when we're going to start seeing those uh, releases. Uh, the estimate um, has been put at around April. And again, that's, that's some, um, uh, official War Cradle representatives. And, you know, that's not a hard date, obviously. Uh, it's not uh, an exact date that we know. It's just, uh, an estimate that's going to be somewhere around April. So that sounds like early quarter two. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely not pushing the first quarter. Yeah. Um, so obviously this is another delay. Um, 
War Cradle, I think it's, so if I have, you know, one, I think criticism you can legitimately make about War Cradle that is somewhat objective and not subjective, like, oh, I don't like the way the new Prussian models look, or I don't like the way the new American models look, which, by the way, is totally fair, but I mean, that, that's a sort of a subjective matter of taste. One thing I think you can objectively say is that, uh, War Cradle has, um, taken quite a long time <laughs> to work their way around to a uh, re-release of Dystopian Wars, uh, 3.0. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's probably fair to say that, um, they've lost what momentum they may have had coming off of the end of the Spartan era with Dystopian Wars and that, uh, they're essentially almost starting over with a clean slate as far as the, the player base in the community goes, right? Because, uh, you have to rebuild that word of mouth and, and rebuild that awareness on the part of the uh, the fan base and the gaming community at large. So they, they've certainly got an uphill battle, uh, and some of that, I, I think they uh, may have increased the incline of that hill <laughs> by, yeah. the, uh, by the time it's taken them to get to the release. That being said, you know, I, 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 I do... I, the, the point's not lost on me that if you're going to do a new release like this, you want to make sure you're doing things as well as you can and, and putting your, your best effort and, you know, quality does take time. Like I, I get all that, but at the same time, it, it, ha- it has been quite a while. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely tracking on that. Um, for me, I'd rather have a good finished product than, a than kind of a, an 80% release product product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned the momentum. I mean, there's still, there are people with a kind of a, a, a Big sour taste in the mouth from, from Spartan, and uh, I well, was one of the ones that got hit by it. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and I mean, rightfully so. There are there are plenty of folks that lost money in the the process of the Dystopian Wars Kickstarter going bust. And yeah, that has nothing so. to do with with War Cradle, but they still have the name and the game, and they picked up the IP. So yeah, exactly. People are probably, or at least some people, maybe wrongfully um, <laughs> accusing War Cradle of. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of a tough spot to be in, right? Yeah. No, and, and so, and you also have to admit that there are folks in the community that would have been happiest with just a straight continuation of 2.5, pick up exactly where Spartan left off with the rules and the models and just keep going, right? And, right. Problem is, Spartan went out of business trying to do that. So, exactly. some of that was mismanagement, right? So, not, not all of it was popularity, but, um, you know, th- there's only, you can't please everybody, and uh, unfortunately, it seems like War Cradle has taken the position that their path forward for the game is to not focus so much on the desires and tastes of the existing community, but try to um, make the game uh, maybe more interesting to a, a newer audience. And you know, if the old audience wants to follow along, if the old players want to follow along. That's fine by them, but they're not going to actively pursue them to a great degree is the sort of the impression you get. So. Yeah, and I mean, in their business, right? And that's kind of what you do. I mean, yeah. I've seen a lot in uh, 40K. Um, yeah, I've been playing 40K for oh, geez, o- over two decades now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm getting a little, little boom there. I'm uh, showing my age, but uh, anyhow. <laughs> oh, man, 35, 35 years. Um, but it's... They, with the new like eighth edition, they've definitely alienated some of the older player base. Yeah. Um, like like I don't get it. But that's me. I mean, I think eighth edition is a fine game, and it has issues just as literally every other game in the world has issues. Um, 
I think it's fine for what it is. Um, I like it better than seventh edition. Um, but a lot of people, like, again, people who have been in the game as long as I have, they're just like, GW doesn't care about us anymore, which I was like, I mean, I, I guess, but the bottom line is people like you and me, not, not you and me, but just other people I've talked to. Yeah. Um, it's like, I literally have all of the models, essentially almost all the models for my faction. Right. And, and, Whenever GW comes out and they they bring uh, they bring a model back into the forefront for like competitiveness, I have it in my box over here, so I can put it on the table. And right. I don't right. need to buy any more of them. So yeah, I mean you have to check new and young. You have to attract young blood to keep the the money flowing. That's it's business. Yeah. I mean you don't have, you don't have to like it, but capitalism. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I guess I guess if we were to sum all this up, uh, the bottom line is that. The actual release date has gotten pushed back to roughly the April 2020 timeframe. The initial wave is going to be a box, uh, a Battlefleet set, they're calling it, for the Americans and for the British. Each set will have one battleship, two cruisers, four frigates. And then there will also be a box of components that's got cards and rules and dice, templates, that sort of stuff, that uh, you can use to either in combination with the new models or with your existing collection, start playing the new edition of the game. And then sometime at an undisclosed period of time, I should add, between the release of that initial wave of three boxes and uh, there's going to be the release of a full-on two-player starter set uh, that's going to be the Covenant and the Russians. So uh, based on sort of the discussion we've seen, we're expecting that probably somewhere in the May time frame, call it. Um, you know, assume maybe about a month, maybe maybe two months, but I'm hoping it's going to be closer to a month because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest in it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, and and uh, uh, going over those components and, like the battle feats, thing is, it's not really that far off from what Spartan was giving us, right? You're minusing what two metal flyers, and then the like the the tiny flying tokens, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if it's in around that same fifty or sixty dollar mark for that battle feat, like I'm not mad about that. Yeah, and you know, it's just, and that's just it, right? We don't have details on pricing. It's hard to say what the pricing is going to be based on the Wild West Exodus releases because the model counts and model sizes aren't exactly, uh, it's sort of apples and oranges, right? So you can't really look at that, uh, too much. But, and, you know, you have to expect that it's probably going to be somewhere around that $50 US price point, you know, maybe give or take, uh, $10 or, or so, right? Right. Um, that, that just seems, that just feels right looking at, at the box. Now, if it's substantially more than that, then there might be an issue. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's what I would sort of expect. And, and honestly, um, one thing we don't know about yet is the materials. You know, a, a year ago, Warcradle was talking about doing this line and these lines in plastics. Um, it's not clear at all if it's still going to be in plastic as the, the final release. Uh, I think that would pre- be pretty neat if they managed to pull that off. But, you know, there, there hasn't been any, Hard discussion one way or the other, so we still don't know. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that depends on how much they want to put into it. I mean, plastic molds last a lot longer, right? Right. Uh, but the bin is much more expensive to actually set up. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm it's it's one of those things where you pay. How. Yeah, you pay the high upfront costs, and then you have really cheap production costs. You can just crank out things really fast, one after the other. After that, so. So it'll be interesting to see. So you know, we expect that uh, the new by the time we get to the middle of next year. Um, we should have Dystopian Wars 3.0 uh, released and in the hands of gamers everywhere. And uh, 
we will be right here to uh, let you know what we think when we finally get our hands on the new edition. I still have that uh, that free uh, rule book coming here at some point. Don't think I forgot War Cradle. I know I still got that uh, rule book I signed up for like two years ago coming. So yeah, me too. War <laughs> <More> Cradle. <laughs> All right. Well, um, looking beyond Dystopian Wars, uh, the next big thing as far as we would be concerned here on the podcast is the Firestorm Armada uh, open beta. And War Cradle said in the past that they really only want to have one big project in a beta phase at a time. So that means that uh, they wanted to get Dystopian Wars kind of out the door before they started in on the Firestorm Armada beta. Initially, that was thought to start maybe sometime around now, you know, towards the end of 2019. Obviously, with the delays to the Dystopian Wars launch, they've pushed the start of the Firestorm Armada beta to the right as well. So, we don't yet have a good feel for when the beta starts. If I had to guess, I'm thinking probably sometime, you know, late summer, early fall next year, probably after the actual launch of Dystopian Wars. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, now, Matt, you, you were never really a Firestorm Armada player, right? I certainly knew it existed. Right, right. You, you sort of got into <laughs> the, the whole thing with the Dystopian Wars launch. So yep. um, are you interested at all in what War Cradle might have in store with the new edition of Firestorm Armada coming up? I, I'm always interested in trying a new game. I, I'm not always interested in more money going out the door. So. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll so take as, it. So. As, as much as um, I don't see you buying into it, but I, I'll certainly give the game a shot and see how it plays. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as we saw with Dystopian Wars, I'm sure that there's going to be a period of time in the beta where they're making rules, tweaks, and modifications. Um, you know, it was very interesting how close and how closely related Firestorm Armada and Dystopian Wars were, especially earlier on in the life cycle of Dystopian Wars. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how close or not close Firestorm Armada, uh, the new edition of that, and Dystopian Wars 3.0 will be. Uh, I expect that there will probably be some similar uh, mechanics and, and sort of a, some similar gameplay feels, probably use like the same dice, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, there has been some discussion in various places by Warcrail. They're looking to make the games a little more separate. Uh, than they were under the Spartan regime. So we'll see how that pans out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, yeah. I, I, I just have a feeling um, at some point, GW's going to go back to Battlefleet Gothic as well. So That's been the persistent more- rumor, right? Um, I have, I've been keeping my eyes and ears peeled. I have not heard any rumblings uh, recently of a relaunch of Battlefleet Gothic, but... Yeah. You're not wrong, but they've literally been re-releasing every older game they've had. Well, right, right. <laughs> We're and talking Aeronautica, Imperialis, uh, Titanicus. They're they're going way back in the catalog. Yeah, I mean, they they still they still got uh, Blood Bowl out there, and they're still doing yep. updates and support for that. So, it, I mean, bottom line is everybody knows it's only a matter of time, right? Oh, before, yeah, it's, it's gonna before they There's do some, whether it's a heresy era version of it or they do an actual 40k era relaunch. Uh, it's, they're, they're going to use something with that property at some point, right? It, it seems Absolutely. like it's a given, right? And so we just, uh, don't have the, the timing yet. I mean, we don't know when it's going to be. So, uh, but yeah, no, and that's, that's a good point too, is that, um, in, in a lot of ways, there's still sort of this, uh, sucking vacuum sound where the GW naval games would be. 
<laughs> and and so it's only a matter of time before GW turns their attention back to that genre. At which point, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting time for folks like War Cradle and for tabletop gaming with Drop Fleet Commander, right? Because now they're going to have uh, the sort of the big fish in the pond competing in their space again. So, oh yeah, and obviously 40k is a juggernaut, and they and they're. GW has all the capital coming through from that, which is yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they just have they have the resources that no other game company has, at least no exactly. no other uh, miniatures company has. I think I think Fantasy Flight Games probably has deeper pockets than GW does, just because of sheer volume. But uh, we get when we're talking strictly about tabletop uh, gaming companies, it's hard it's hard to argue that GW is not the the biggest fish in that particular pond. So <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and I'd certainly say uh, certainly that um, Private Press would be. The, the second and if not only other big competitor yeah yeah in the market so all right well uh i think that'll probably about wrap it up for episode 13 uh now folks uh obviously uh we're we've been doing long gaps between episodes i'm afraid that's going to continue until about the middle of next year uh due to some things that are going on in my life i'm about to sort of be out of the picture here until about the middle of next year so uh, the show will be back middle of next year, uh, better than ever. Uh, we will be there to cover the new releases for Dystopian Wars and everything else we've talked about on this episode. So never fear, uh, the show will be back. But unfortunately, there will be a little bit of a hiatus here for about six or seven months. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll pick back up. So, uh, Matt, do you have any uh, closing thoughts for our listeners? I'm good to go, sir. All righty. Well, in that case, everybody, until next time, good luck and good hunting. This is Ruckdog signing off. The music featured in this podcast is from the World of Warships soundtrack and is provided courtesy of the Wargaming Group Limited.